Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, our lives are driven by time. Time for work, time for school, time for practice, appointments, deadlines, bedtime, the list goes on and on. In fact, time is so important to us and to our culture that most of us have multiple devices that are linked to satellites that tell us exactly what time it is 24-7, no matter where we go. And yet, I think each of us would say that we never have enough time in a day to accomplish what we set out to do or to achieve our deepest desires. And yet, we can't imagine even a moment in our life that isn't ruled by time. But the Bible tells us that God's relationship to time is quite a bit different than our own. In Genesis, God tells us he existed before the beginning of the world and time, creating the heavens and the earth. In Revelation, he reveals that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. 2 Peter 3 verse 8 gives us a glimpse of how God is outside of our time constraints when Peter writes, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So clearly, God is not controlled by our time systems. And yet, God, our ever-present help, works in our lives within the context of time. There is an urgency to God's message of salvation for each one of us, that he sent his one and only son to seek and to save and it's rooted in time. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2 says, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That word, behold, means to stop everything you're doing. And now, hear what Moses and the prophets have said. Listen to what the Bible reveals concerning God's help his love and mercy in Christ, and his gift of salvation, and trust in him, in him alone. In our gospel text today, Jesus is teaching about God and lessons for our salvation. He's teaching us that God exists, that he is our help, and that he, and like he has taught us these past two weeks, he's not like us. All of us are mortal, and because we sin, we will all die. There is a definite judgment to face, and heaven and hell are certainly real places. And what determines our destination for all eternity is faith and trust in Jesus, or the absence of such faith and trust. And so now is the time to believe in the words of Moses and the prophets. The Bible, God's love and mercy are alone what saves. And Jesus packs a great deal today into a short earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But Jesus helps us to really understand and answer what time it really is. It's time for hope in the word of God. Why? Because appearances are often deceiving, right? Misplaced hope is a common tragedy. 
Because by all accounts and appearances, the rich man in this story was blessed. He had all that he needed, or at least that he thought he needed. He had everything he wanted, probably was admired by all in the community. And one would think that he must have been doing something right to have been rewarded so handsomely by God. On the other hand, there was Lazarus. By all accounts and appearances, he was cursed, homeless, in poor health, hungry, and dumped in the street. His only hope was that someone, anyone, cared to help. His only apparent companions, the dogs, came and licked his sores. Surely, the world perceived he must have done something terribly wrong to have been punished so severely by God. The appearances of things in this world and the opinions of this world are very powerful and influential. And we do believe them, don't we? We want to believe them because they tend to make sense. Our, our worldly nature, our worldly way of thinking, that makes sense that good would be rewarded and, and bad is punished. Our worldly nature thinks that we can judge a person based upon what's happening to them by their circumstances. We get what we get, we deserve what we get. And so when we get a promotion, God is blessing us. But when we're diagnosed with cancer, God is punishing us. God answers our prayers when we're good and doesn't when we're bad. That's what our, our sinful nature wants to think. But there's only one way, or one, one word for that kind of thinking, and that's sinful. It's sinful. Because it puts God into our categories. It's conforming God to our ways. And God's thinking to our thinking. And that's, and we think that if that's how it works with us, then that must be how it works with God. And if we think that way, then we've successfully put God into this nice little box where we've got him all figured out and know how to get what we want out of him. That's not the way it is. Therefore, Jesus teaches us today the truth about God. It's time that we know the truth about grace, mercy, and compassion. If we want to know God and who he is and what he thinks of us, we will not find this out through our eyes. We won't find it out through what appears to be success or punishment, blessing or curse, goodness or sin, happiness or sorrow. We will know it by listening, by listening to him. Because appearances are deceiving, but the word of God is true. The word of God stands forever. Jesus said in our gospel text, they have Moses and the prophets. Listen to them. Listen to what Jesus said in his parable. Lazarus had nothing in this world. And what he did have was pitiful and poor. And yet Lazarus was really the rich one. For God's blessing does not solely lie in the things of this world, the things that come and go that are here one day and gone the next. That's why Paul speaks against the love of money. Not that money in itself is the problem. We all have the need of money. But it's when it becomes our love, when it becomes our treasure, when it becomes our God, that's when it becomes an evil. Know the true blessing of God that we have received is the gift of faith. 
which makes us children of God, inheritors of the kingdom of God. That is a treasure, a treasure that cannot be taken away from us, a treasure that Lazarus received not for a while, but for all eternity. Lazarus longs to be fed with the crumbs that fall from the rich man's table. His skin and bones, he's wasting away to the eyes of the world. Lazarus was truly the one who was well fed, for he lived on the living bread that comes down from heaven above, the word that comes from the mouth of God. With this, he is filled. With this, he is satisfied. Well, it was the other man who was starving and wasting away on the emptiness of the things of this world. Lazarus received a food that is not digested and passed away, but which nourishes to eternal life. Lazarus does not have clothes that can cover his body. The dogs have no problem coming up to him and licking his sores. The eyes of the world see a man exposed and humiliated. And yet Lazarus is the one who is dressed in the royal robes, the royal robes of Christ's righteousness. He's the son whose father put the finest robe on him, the ring on his hand and the shoes on his feet. It is, in reality, the well-dressed man who is dressed in rags. The so-called rich man's fancy and expensive clothes offered him no protection and no comfort from the flames of hell and the reality of condemnation. And yet, none of this can be seen with the naked eye of the world. It can only be seen with the eyes of faith. The eyes of faith that look past the appearance and the opinions of the world And believe that the word of God says who we are. And we are as God declares us in his word. So it's time that we see our connection with Christ and our connection with one another as one body. The world would soon view Jesus in the very same way that they viewed Lazarus, that that he described Lazarus. Despised rejected by men, stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But Jesus took on flesh as prophesied by Isaiah so that the iniquity of us all would be laid upon him. In the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we are connected as one with God. He is our help. What Jesus accomplished for us under the cover of shame is now proclaimed openly for the forgiveness of our sins. And the weakness and shame of Christ are now our glory. For we know that this was done for us. This was done for our salvation. And so like Lazarus, like Christ, what we are now is nothing like what we shall be. You know, those who look at the church, Christ's body today, may see a church that is ridiculed by the world, covered with shame, torn by a scandal, divided amongst itself, suffering and struggling. A Lazarus amongst the cities and buildings of success and wealth. Those who look at you as Christians, as children of God, see people who struggle with sin and doubt, who don't have perfect lives. Lazaruses among the rich people. But if you could only see yourselves through God's eyes, 
He doesn't see any of that sin and shame and humiliation. But by God's grace, only the beautiful, perfect, glorious bride of his son, the bride of the son, our savior, washed clean by his blood. And as a groom is breathless at the sight of his bride, so does Christ look at you. And so he has given you all that he has and all that he is. His sonship is given to you in holy baptism. His body and blood given to you in holy communion. His spirit given to you to bring you to him, connect, to connect you to him, and to, and to keep you in a daily walk of faith. His forgiveness, his life, his kingdom, all yours. And the wedding feast of heaven now awaits us to be given on the day when, like Lazarus, the angels will come for us and carry us home. But of course, we're not there yet. Not now. It's not time yet. For in this moment of time, we live now by faith. Faith that does not say, I can see the holy Christian church, or I can feel the forgiveness of sins but rather our faith that confidently confesses, I believe in the Holy Christian Church. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. You and I can prove none of this to anyone else, especially by the way we live on a particular day and what others see of us. But we are who God says we are. We are as he says. You are his child his beloved, a member of the church, his body, the bride of his son. And so it's time that we live with eyes open to the world with compassion, to meet their needs with the God who is our help and also thus their help. It's time to let the Lazarus that God sees shine through us, one who hears the word of God and clings to it, and not to the things of this world. To this word and to this God, we, just like Lazarus, will cling now and forever. For behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Amen.